love and joy. Who else is the face of love and joy but Papa Birch himself? we got our special speaker, Cliff Birch, is going to be. Talk about guys that only need to go by one name, Pops. Pops is in the house today. Pops is in the house. If you don't know Cliff Birch, I'm going to promise you you're going to want to shake his hand afterwards and get to know him, especially anointed, gifted father's heart in my life and in our life here at LifeSpring. And I love you. Every now and then we get Cliff, we get Danny stories. And I love the Danny stories. So, um, so before Cliff comes up, though, we got this special video for you. An angel came to see me. Mary, she was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, what? I can't say it good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> a camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. They tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms, literally no rooms. So Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple, and then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is getting born who is king of the Jews. The angels were singing. Glorious. And then the shepherds said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, that I have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's going to be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby i ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is going to change the world.
Praise God. I used to think of myself as an athlete with great balance, but now this is a challenge for me to get up here. It's so wonderful to see all of you here on this day. This is a snowy day, a difficult day, but uh, you probably are the people in God's army that do this wonderful thing. You know, uh, Dan, Pastor Dan, I should call him, gave me um, the best, one of the best scriptures in the Bible. In fact, I put down happiest of all the scriptures. And it's when the angel comes, an angel first, comes with great, great uh, radiance, and he speaks these words. And I think I'll read these words from the Disneyland version. Okay. He says he doesn't have this, the Disneyland version, but the older you get, the more you need it. That is the New Living Translation. <laughs> okay. Here's what it says. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord, glory, surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. This is so important. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to the Jewish people. No. He says, I, the angel now, I will bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a little insignificant baby, eyes blinking, trying to figure out what this whole world is about. If you've seen a newborn baby, that's what they're doing. They don't know if they like it or not here, and usually they cry before. And so... They see you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Of course, that cloth was made with gold threads and a little bit of jewelry hanging off the edges of it. Wrapped snugly in a strip of cloth lying in a manger. Then suddenly the angel, the angel, was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So this is the beginning, or the, let's say the final solution. The Germans had a final solution, didn't they? They wanted to exterminate all Jews. And the Jews have been chased from city to city, country from country, Place from place, because the devil hates them. Because if he could get rid of the promises to the Jewish people, he would get rid of the whole Bible. Because that is the foundation, and I'm going to talk to you about that. But he could get rid of the whole Bible, so he hates the Jews. Whether the Jews are doing right or wrong, that's not 
ours to consider, but he hates that because it is a reflection. The Jews are a reflection of God's promise. But there is a final solution, and it comes here with the angel. The angel says, I'm going to bless all the world through this little child, the whole world, everybody, you Gentiles and you Jewish people. How many love their heritage? Raise, how many love your ethnic group? They just found out that I'm supposedly German. I knew that because my grandparents always wrote to people in Germany. But there I am. That's my great heritage. You guys have great heritage. You got killers in your heritage. <laughs> you got rapists in your heritage. You got slave owners in your heritage. The DNA that is in you, the code that's in you, comes from many, many people. And if you don't know that, I majored in history. You need to just look at every land and see what happened. See what happened when the Scandinavians went into Britain. Devastated cities took off with slaves. That's your heritage if you're Scandinavian. The Germanic tribes, Rome and the Latin area, was very concerned because they were so vicious, so ugly, so willing to tear cities apart and raise them to the ground, burn them to the ground, take off slaves. You can go to Africa, same story. China, same story. Warlords. Any place you want to go, South America, where they sacrifice people, North America, Indian tribes, constantly going back and forth. Skatchewia was a slave that married a Frenchman. They gave her away. But slaves in every situation, your heritage, your, your DNA code is full of sin, of darkness. And that is the world. But God came along and he said, I want to save the world. He destroyed it once with Noah, you know. And he repented of that. And when he repented of that, he uh, Noah gave a sacrifice when he landed. And I think I told you this, but it's, a, it's really important to know and God found the sacrifice, the sacrifice pleasing. And he said, I will not destroy them anymore, even though they're evil from their conception. Well, that's my neighbor. I know he or she is evil. But me, and I know us Germans, we're a little bit superior. But the <laughs> Anglo-Saxons and whatever the Africans or so forth. See, but God puts all of you in the same area, evil. Well, what is going to happen then? Well, there was a man called Abraham, you come. Abraham believed in God, it says. He believed in God's words. And God's words were so supernatural. It says, Abraham, you don't have any children, do you? No, I don't. You don't have any chance of having children. No, I don't. 
Well, you're going to be a father of many nations. And your descendants will be like the sands of the sea. Oh, that's great. But Abraham believed God. See, that's what faith is. Faith is that you believe God. How many of you know that this earth is the most significant thing in all of the universe? None of you do. Well, see, that was the way the church once believed. In fact, they killed the person that said that we're not supposed to. We're not the middle of the universe. Everything doesn't revolve around us. Because if that happened, we would think of ourselves pretty significant. Abraham, you don't have any children, do you? I'm going to make your descendants so many that you'll be amazed. Earth, you're insignificant, aren't you? Seven and a half billion people in this world. How significant are you? You you start now and count one, two, three, four. It takes you a long, long, long couple years or more to get to seven and a half billion. You're not very significant. Jesus came along. The final solution, here this little baby, insignificant, like all other babies. But God placed his hand on this. This was the Son of God. And he said, through the Son of God, I'm going to create miracles that no one from the beginning of time have been able to do. I'm going to verify that he's special. That actually, good news has come to the world. I'm verifying he's special. And so, he performed miracle after miracle. He did marvelous things. But Philip comes along. Now, you know doubting Thomas, don't you? Philip comes along with a doubt. This is later on in the ministry. And Philip says, show us the Father. Just show us the Father. This thing, of course, you're doing wonderful miracles, but show us the Father. Well, what did Jesus say? What Philip couldn't believe. He says, the Father is in me. If you see me, you see the Father. If you see me, you see the Father. You know the Father God. And so Philip then and the disciples had to come to this grips that now this person who did great miracles wasn't just a magic man of some sort, but that he was the Father God, this little baby who later on became a miracle worker, was actually the Son of God, the Father in him, and he in the Father. But the good news is what? What is the good news? You all deserve to be destroyed. Your DNA code is bad. You will not make it into heaven with any unrighteousness. The law was given 400 years after Abraham received the promise, the covenant. The law was to show how close You could get to God. And how far? And so the people who were the most close, 
were who? Were the Pharisees. Everybody saw that they were perfect. How do you know that? Because they were presented and say, oh, you're fair. Oh, you come up here and all you people stay down there. Because this per- person does things perfectly. So, he should be one that we honor. But what does Jesus come along? Jesus comes along and says, you who look good on the outside, you church people, on the inside, your DNA code is still flashing. And I know your heart, and I know your mind, and nothing insignificant or a shadow, let's say, will get by God. God has to judge everything. Why? Because he's a just God. He's a just God. He doesn't allow things to escape his, his purview. He knows every what? Every hair on your head. There's seven and a half billion people, and there are a lot of people in the grave already. He's had inventory of every hair on your head. How many sparrows have fallen since the beginning of creation? He knows every one of them. Do you think your spirit, your heart, your mind, your thoughts can get by God? They can't. But praise God, good news has come. Good news has come. A lot of times we think the blessings that we receive are the blessings that happen to us today rather than This old Ford, I've been praying like mad to have a Lexus. (laughs) Well, he gives me Lexus. Hallelujah, God's alive. The blessings, (laughs) praise God. See? But God chose the insignificant, the Fords, (laughs) to bless him. He chose insignificant. So we see here that God comes along with us. And he says, I'm going to bless the whole world. I'm going to take away that which is inside you, which you cannot be cleansed with. You can work your way to trying to be uh, God-like or being acceptable. You can obey every commandment, every law, and try to be acceptable. But you will not be acceptable. The angel says, good news has come. And it will bring joy to all people. Well, what therefore makes us acceptable? What makes us acceptable? What kind of gifts does God give us? Now, I'll tell you, how many of you live this life as a Christian knowing God blesses you all the time? Well, you're right if you said that. But, If you're evaluating it on your life and what's happening in your life, you're wrong. You're wrong. God has not come just to make your life easier. In fact, I love this part in John 16, and we don't need it on the screen. The disciples emphatically say they believe that Jesus came from God. He's talking about them now. He then asked them, do you really believe, for you will have many troubles and trials. 
Do you really believe? Do you believe when you have trials and struggles? Do you really believe? Of course, I'm old. The reason they asked me to speak today, I'm closer to Santa Claus than anybody here. So they figured that we're on the Christmas theme. So, but anyhow, he says, do you really believe? When you're older and you follow the Lord for a long time, you see some disasters that are hard to know how to put them together. I have a sister who, my oldest sister died when she's very young, seven, eight years old. Her dad, my dad, was evangelizing, ministering, healing to people outside and watching healing. But behind the curtain was Wanda dying. And she died. My next one in the family is Geraldine, a sister. Wanda, the loved one, they, by the way, they had evangelistic groups. They went out as a group, three or four ministers, and went from one city to the next city. All played wonderful instruments, all could sing like angels, all could do all of that. Well, Wanda dies. Of course, this whole group, they had placed their love and everything into this little girl. She's the only one there with him. She dies. Geraldine, a couple years after, wasn't helped with the sorrow that she had. Because they were all in sorrow and were consumed by their sorrow. And Geraldine lived with the sorrow, but she lived alone with it. And she was never perfect like Wanda. Never perfect. The first one's always very perfect. Second one is not so perfect. And she cried too much. Maybe the sorrow of her older sister. But she cried too much. Geraldine stuttered all her life. Stuttered all her life. She loved the Lord. Dynamic. She took care of me as a little child because there's nine of us in a big spread. She loved the Lord. Geraldine ended up in a mental institution. Geraldine ended up in the mental institution, and because God makes your mind perfect, we Christians will not go to a mental institution to visit anybody. If you had an arm off, we might, or something like that, but not that. So no one visited visited her except me, and she was in Medical Lake, which is the western Stilicum. And so I visited her, and she loved me. She called me Cliffy. And I visited her, and finally she came out of the mental institution. And she lived for a long time, still fired up for the Lord, a husband that was reluctant to serve God. But there she was. But at the end of her life, guess what? She had a tumor in her brain. Where did she die? The mental institution. A Christian. Great impact. I have an aunt 
who they were ministering. And the husband wasn't faithful, and he ran around with women as he preached from the pulpit. And she was a concert pianist. And she would lead worship and play the piano. She had a mental breakdown and tried to kill herself. Tried to kill herself. Five or six children, I don't know. But a number. Now, she ended up in the mental institution. And in those days, they had electric shocks. And she was sent through lots of electric shocks. Trying to rearrange your mind in the way you think. A strong Christian, dedicated her life, went out with this husband to win people for Christ. To win people for Christ. And she ends up there, and finally, after a number of years, she gets out. But she's very reserved now. Extremely reserved. Quiet in her speech. And she lives with my grandparents with her kids. And my grandparents are old and they receive all these kids. And they have to take care of them. Some of your older people would just love to do that. But there they were. Well, Aunt Selma. This is the milieu or the environment I lived in. We would have, in, this was a farm, so there's a great big table. And we would be there, us little kids, wanting to sin, desiring to live our own life, don't want to give my life to Christ, don't want anything to do with that. And then there would be a message in tongues, in breakfast. Not a good place for a message in tongues. And then there would be an interpretation And that went on and on. And people would go to Aunt Thelma from all over to have her pray for them. And she lived in isolation before God. That was her life. And her impact was so great. Had another aunt invited to all the women's groups. Why? Because she prayed for him to be healed. They loved her there, exuberant, full of life, knowing God. And I had a part in her being saved, actually. She's much older. But then, she's dying of cancer. Her sister, my wife's mother, they were twins, was living for not God, but for herself. But here the aunt is living for God. Jackie received the Holy Spirit in her, in her house. Jackie couldn't speak in a regular language for a day. She had such a powerful experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jackie's my wife, by the way. So, but here she is now. She's about 58, 59, dying of cancer. And the last thing that when I talked to her, she, of course, was a Christian. She said, Cliff, I don't understand. 
I don't understand. I went around and God healed people. But here I am, wasting away. I don't understand. I have another uncle who went out with his wife. His wife came from the east to evangelize the west way, way back, like in 1915, 16. All alone she came out. All alone and ministered to people. A woman. And my uncle got married to her. And they went from, from town to town evangelizing and in some places being a pastor for a while. I can remember the day the patrol, state patrol knocked on our door and we opened them up, opened the door up and here these people come in. State patrolmen. Are you Chester Birch? Yes, that's my dad. Do you have a brother, Archie? Yes, that's my brother. On the way to Spokane, no, the way to Walla Walla, a person who is drunk hits him head on, and the wife, his wife is dead, and Archie might not live. Archie tried to minister later on, but his brain had been so scrambled and his memory was so poor that he really wasn't effective, even though he, he led churches. There are other experiences like that. There's the deaths in my, a baby, we have baby sitting and a little baby died in our home. Not our home while we're babysitting. And my poor wife for years struggled. It's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. And she had a mental breakdown. And she had seizures. And she had two strokes. I love that song. The blessing of God is so great. When my dad, who's many, many failures and so forth, had to be off of the evangelistic field, too many kids, not feeding them, going from orchard to orchard, picking fruit, trying to make enough money to go to the next city. And other failures. But when he's 89 years old, and his tongue is so swollen, and he probably had what I have, neuropathy and other things. His heart was a, a problem. We always thought he was trying to commit suicide because in those days you were supposed to lie down and rest and he would walk around all over town. And he said, he raised his hand. He says, God is so good. God is so good. The blessings of the Lord are many. Good news has come to you. You children of God, good news has come to the world. Eternal life has come. You have life forever. And this little baby who came 
blinking and not knowing anything, became the Savior who died on the cross. And he said, God, God, why hast thou forsaken me? And God turned away because he had to. He had to give his son completely as a sacrifice. But good news has come. Good news has come. This is the news. You are the generation that are the resurrected ones in Christ. And here's the good news, my friend. Jesus says, as you will say, because he's the first fruit that go from the biological existence to life. And he showed so much life, he did what? He ate fish. When he first came out of the grave, he says, don't touch me. Why? The radiation of the Holy Spirit. God, in the Bible, says God sent his spirit to him, and his spirit was there, and he raised him from the dead. And with that power, authority, he was resurrected anew, a life. And when a person first came, a woman came and was going to touch him, he said, don't touch me. I haven't gone to the Father yet. This power is on me. And you are just a corrupted human being. Don't touch me. But later on, as he goes to the Father, he comes to Thomas and says, You touch me. Touch me. Touch my side. Touch me. I want you to know I am resurrected. And you too will be resurrected. The Lord, he said in the grave, is always with me. This is what Peter talks about. Peter talks about when he talks about the congregation. Talks about Jesus. And he says, the Lord is always with me. He's right beside me. See, this is the faith Jesus had in God. My body rests in hope. Every one of your bodies will rest someday in hope. You will not leave my soul in the grave. Good news has come to you. Doesn't matter what experiences you have. Good news has come to you. You will not leave my soul in the grave. You have shown me the way to your household. You will fill me constantly with your presence, the Spirit of God. See, this is the good news. This is the blessing. This is why you keep going. This is why you don't have to run to the pastor, which you should if you need to. Say, I can't make it, I can't make it, I don't know what... No, the good news has come to you. Christ has come to you. The Spirit of God is resident in you. He talks to you every day. By the way, I'm sorry, I did... I was going to ask you, when when do I have to finish? Okay. I'm sorry, I should have asked... I was going to ask you that right away. But good news has come to you. The resident spirit of God has come to you. Every day I read the Bible. Every day I read the Bible and I go to a coffee house because then I don't have to think about There's a little bit of dust over there. I should clean that dust. Oh, the dishes haven't been done yet. I should do the dishes or whatever else. I need to wash these clothes. No, I go away. Spend too much money, two bucks every day. But anyhow, I go away. I read the Bible. I read the Bible, 
And I write. I read only a little bit now. I've read the Bible several times through. And I write. And they say, God, what do you have for me, this broken man? This man that hurts, this man who needs you. And no matter where I go, I pick it up, read a few verses, and God starts to speak to me. He starts to teach me. Teach me things I've never saw before because I was reading the Bible for information. Zip, 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 zip. I was in a church once and we were supposed to read the Bible in one year. Well, at the end of the year, I pretty much knew who had finished reading the Bible. Raise your hand. I would be alone (laughs) there. They were all good people, wonderful people. So I thought, well, the next year we'll read it in two years. We'll go slower. Same thing pretty much happened. But I don't read the Bible for information. I read it for inspiration. And I believe the Holy Spirit is so real. I believe this. You're looking at someone who is strange because he believes the Holy Spirit wants to talk to me. Even today. I'm off topic. (laughs) I'm going to finish up on topic, but I'm off topic. And the Lord says to me, I've given you my words. I've given you my words that will touch people's hearts. Oh, that's nice, but I better prepare some more. (laughs) But anyhow, I write. And I've written on my blog over a million words. But I'm sure in my just every day, all these different tablets, many times over a million words. But I believe God talks. I believe he talks. I'll give you a little example of this. And by the way, when I go home, my wife says, read to me. She's in bed still great. She has lupus. Struggles to get moving. So I get in bed with her, and I read. And then we talk. And then we go out and get coffee, and we talk some more. We don't talk about Dan. We don't talk about Doug. We don't talk about the grandkids. We talk about the Lord. We talk about what is feeding us. That's what we talk about. So anyhow, I was reading the other day, very simple scripture, In James. And James says, if you don't have faith, you don't have anything. Oh, that's that's not very good. (laughs) But you know what? Before he starts that, he says, my brother, my dear brother, my dear sister. See, he's talking out of love to people he really loves. I always skipped over that. I want to get to James getting after you guys. But he talks about that. And then, you know, Rahab, the prostitute that's been with lots of men. Everybody in Jericho knows her. She is right with God. Why is she right with God? 
Because let's pretend, let's push Rahab off the stage and bring in God himself in that home. Three spies come in. What would God have done? He would have hid them. He would have protected them. He would allow them to be free and release them safely. Rahab was right with God. Why? Because God is her friend in that. She did what God would do. She did what she thought would be the best at that time. That's faith. That's faith. Can you, when you walk through the day, do what's right as far as if God was there? I know we say Jesus there, but if God was there. Do you have enough faith in God that you would check your lives and say, what do you want? What does God tell you to do, my friends? He says, I wrote that down, by the way. I want to love your neighbor as I love them. Love your neighbor. If I were in your shoes, Rahab, if I were in your shoes, I want you to love your neighbor as I would love them. The Great Commission. Now, why is that so important? There's two, and it says they're equal. First of love, Father God, with all your soul, might, strength, everything you have in you, for is worthy to be loved. He's worthy to be glorified. Then he says, secondly, love others as I would love you. Now, if you have self-esteem problems, and you say, love others as you want to love yourself. I have men that I talk to every week that hate themselves. So they cannot put that in their scripture. They cannot hang on to that because they hate themselves. They hate their experiences. They hate their failures. They're Christians, so they can't hang on to it. But what it really is saying to you, love others as God loves them. That is... Faith in action. That's faith in action. Put it in action. Let your lives be dedicated to God. Hear his voice. His voice is there. My Pentecostal friends hear his voice. You must believe that he has a voice outside of your own voice. If you don't, you walk in a barren land. You don't have the pillar of the cloud before you as the children of Israel. And the fire, the cloud before you and the pillar of fire behind you. You walk in isolation with the struggles and troubles. And when you meet things you don't understand, you can get bitter and angry and wonder, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. My aunt shouldn't end up in the... In a mental instance, my lovely sister shouldn't end up. 
They, people shouldn't die before they should. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yes, it does work. You have been highly blessed. Good news has come to you. You should have a joy in your heart because God has come to you to dwell in you permanently forever. He doesn't come down like he did in the Old Testament with the prophets and settle on them and then leave them. No, he comes with you permanently. Jesus said, why hast thou abandoned me? But he paid a full price so God would never abandon you. His words will never leave your ears. Jesus said, if you have ears, hear. Let that be so. Amen. Praise God. I'll go back.